0: Is it possible for human beings like you and me to completely understand God?
1: With the answer, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Our God is so awesome. There is this tendency in the church today to bring God down to our levels. We can explain everything about God. We can't. We can just stand in awe of Him and go, you're much bigger than me, Lord. And then what that does is, you know, when the situations come in your life that are much bigger than you... And instead of seeing the situation is so much bigger than you, you go back to the God that's so much bigger than you and so much bigger than the situation and you fall into his arms and trust him and live for him.
0: This is amazing grace. special today. There were well over 7 billion people on this earth and when you think about that number, what could possibly make us special? The answer is a relationship with God. If God is the lord of your life, you are extremely special to him. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Tanner. Today we continue with Pastor Ed's series in Romans and today we'll consider our status as the chosen people of God. He chose you even before you existed. The Bible tells us that. Now that should make us feel special. Let's join Pastor Ed in Romans chapter 1.
1: I know you guys shake your head sometimes. They go, you chose Ed? You could choose, you chose Ed, you could save anybody. That's right. I hope it's an encouragement to you. The Bible says that God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I don't have any problem whatsoever standing here as a fool for Jesus Christ, demonstrating not what I've done for him, but what he's done for me. That's the truth. And how they all go together, you know, the Bible says, you can jot it down, Isaiah 55, that God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And they're simply things outside of our realm of understanding that God says, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me even when you don't understand. Isn't that a practical truth for everyday life? I want you to trust me through this thing. I know you don't understand why things are happening this way. I understand you don't see the big picture. I see the fear that you have. I, the, I see and feel the pain that you're having. I know you don't understand it, but you love me, don't you? And we say, yes, Lord, I love you. And then he says, trust me. Stop trying to figure it out and trust me. Stop trying to put all the pieces together and trust me. Stop trying to control the thing and trust me. Trust me. We live by faith, not by sight. It's just the truth of living for Jesus. And so what does the church do with these mysteries? Well, i tell you, some of the church argue about them. Let's argue about it. You got to tell me what you are. I'm going to argue with you. I want to fight with you. I want to condemn caused division, and instead of being in awe over the mysteries of God, so many have become at odds against other believers over them. I'm a Calvinist, I'm an Arminian, I'm a five pointer, I'm a three pointer, I'm a six pointer, whatever it might be. I've come to the conclusion in my life, as I live my life for Jesus Christ, after much thought on the subject, after much diligent study on this doctrinal division and on these matters, I've come to this conclusion. I'm a Christian. That's how I choose to identify myself. I'm a Christ follower. And I've given my life to him. And I want him to use me to save souls. That's where I fall. So if you're finding yourself using your free will to mess around and sin against God, then I'm going to take you to some passages in the scripture that will bring to you a holy awe and fear for God's sovereignty. And if you're on the other end and go, well, I'm saved, I can just live any way I want, then I want you to see that your free will can do great damage in your life. And all in all, I want to point you to Jesus Christ and I want to preach the good news. I want to preach the gospel of Jesus and help people grow in their relationship with him. And I know there are things in the Bible that I just don't fully understand. God is so much bigger than me, isn't he? So much bigger than us. It causes me all the more to trust him and lean on him and seek his face. Don't let election throw you in. Don't let it stumble you. Let it inspire you that our God is so awesome. There is this tendency in the church today to bring God down to our levels. We can explain everything about God. We can't. We can just stand in awe of him and go, you're much bigger than me, Lord. And then what that does is, you know, when the situations come in your life that are much bigger than you, then instead of seeing the situation is so much bigger than you, you go back to the God that's so much bigger than you and so much bigger than the situation, and you fall into his arms and trust him. And live for him The free will of man And the sovereignty of God Are two truths That are held together In tension And we need them both A lot like that Massive Golden Gate Bridge You ever see a picture of that Maybe gone there And visit there Walk on it The key to the strength And stability Of the Golden Gate Bridge Relies on the tension In its span To remain standing Yes it goes deep And yes it's founded On the rock But the strength of the bridge Is that tension You cut the tension You lose the bridge and so it is in our lives. When God brings things into tension, causing us to trust him, we always try to get out of the tension. It's just too much for me, Lord. It's too much. I got to explain it. Once you cut the tension, then you cut the strength of your Christian life. Just know that you were called, and that you were chosen, and that you're saved, and you can rejoice in your relationship with him. To think that you were chosen, set apart for good works. I know a lot of you ladies can really relate to this. I and mean, even some of you guys of the value that God places on his choice possession, you and I. Because some of you have special plates in your house, don't you? It's the special plates, I mean, they're special. You never use them, they're over there on the corner. They've got the gold rim on them, they're stamped on the bottom, very important plates, never to be used. Kids don't look at them, don't touch them. I don't want a football in the house. They're over here. We bought a whole case for them. Aren't they pretty? You got all the matching sets, special, special plates. And then maybe once or twice a year, somebody special comes over and you go, bring out the fine China. We've got a special day today. Why? Because you've chosen them. I'm sure you looked at a book, you go, These are mine, these are the ones I want. I don't want those. I don't want those. I don't want those. I want this one right here. I want this one because it's gonna fit perfectly with my pattern of the kids. Everything about them. You set them aside. They're special. They're valuable. They're valuable. If the kids even get near them, it's over. I mean, if you get good at your aim, you're chucking something at them. Get away from my plates! Don't touch them. And then when you're eating at the table, your eyes are looking around. I hope you don't chip my plate. They're <laughs> fine china. Don't chip them. Why? Because you value them. You value. They're important to you. You treasure them. They're special. They have have great meaning to you. Maybe you didn't choose them. Maybe they've been handed down to you throughout the generations of your family. And they're just very, very special. And so what do you do? You guard them. You protect them. You care for them. You watch out for them. You make sure that anyone, you want to just have your hand, you know, hey, be careful. These are special. These are important to me. Aren't you much more valuable than a plate? And you've been chosen. And so with with God's prized possession, he guards you and he protects you. And he values you, and he stamps you with the value of his only begotten son. And he says, oh, don't you chip him. Don't touch him. he got your back, doesn't he? He covers you. And you watch out for her. She's hurting right now. I want to come rush into her with my spirit. I want to send somebody into her life. You know, he's really dealing with something, so his phone's going to ring. Because I spoke to a brother. I told that brother to call him, and they call. You're his prized possession. That's what it means to be chosen. And it blows you away, doesn't it? If you really look at your life and go, did God really choose me? As a believer, he did. Because the question by now comes to the place, really, from me to you, are you a part of God's elect? Are you chosen? Are you chosen? Well, I don't know, Pastor Ed. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I am. I'll tell you, you can find out. You can find out if you're chosen. All you have to do is ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. All you need to do is recognize today that sin has overwhelmed you. It's destroyed you. That God, out of his love for you, and he does love you, recognizes that the penalty of your sin is eternal death. He doesn't want to see you separated from him. He wants to draw you into himself. So what does he do to bridge that gap between a holy God, a perfect, righteous, holy, wonderful God, and a sinful man, a sinful woman? Well, he sends his only begotten son, Jesus, who died a sinless death. And he rose again the third day so that if you'll place your faith in him, your sins will be forgiven today. You don't need to leave here with the sins heavy on your back. You make that decision to give your life to Jesus Christ. You turn your life over to him and trust him to forgive you of your sins. And he'll say to you, welcome son, welcome daughter, chosen from the foundation of the world. Oh, not only are we chosen, but in verse seven, notice, you're also beloved. Remember that, guys. You are loved by God. I can't think of a more wonderful truth than the love of God for me and you. It's not just the love for the saints in Rome, but it's his love for us here too, right now in this place. You are dearly beloved ones. The Bible says as believers, you are in the beloved. You are dearly loved by the Lord. Dearly loved. You see, I realize and, and I recognize that not all of you have the softest of hearts. One of the reasons why your heart might be hard is because you've experienced a lack of love in your life. Somebody that you expected to give you love didn't give you love. Somebody you expected to cut you some slack didn't cut you any slack. Someone that you really put your hopes in and you shared your life with, you, you find that they greatly hurt you. Might even been another Christian. Might have even been in a previous marriage that failed because they let you down. It might have been the home that you were raised in. And so in your life, you're like, you know what? I, I don't want a softball. I'm not getting hurt like that again. There's no way. Oh, I, I know all about that love stuff, but not for me. Because I know if I love, then then I'm going to have to open myself up to be loved. And, you know, I don't even want to take that chance anymore. So here's the deal. I'll take care of all those things. I love grace. I love mercy. But I'm not opening myself up again because I don't want to be hurt. And then the Lord, he knows you're here. And he knows you're going to hear this. And he says, I just want you to know I love you. With all the pain and sorrow, I love you. He says, I just want you to know that not only do I love you, but I love you with an everlasting love. You know what that means? It'll never end. You can never run from it. You can't cut it off. You can't stop. No more love, Lord. He said, That's, I'm just going to shower more. And not only that, but when you look at love, there's nothing that you and I could do today to be any more loved of God than we already are. He's poured it all out in abundance upon us. Because sometimes we just feel like creeps, huh? It's like, man, I messed up. Look at me. And we might come to that conclusion, well, I'm just a creep. I'm going to screw up, never get anything right. Every time I try to do something, I stumble. Every time I try to take a step for the, man, I just fall on my face. I've hurt this person again. and You know, here I am, Lord. You can love me, but I'm just messed up. You know, love me what you want, but I don't know I'll ever be any good to anyone. Real emotions. And he says, I don't see you as a screw up or a mess up or a bum or even unlovely. He says, you're beloved of God. I love you. I pray that that frees you. How great is his love for us. He sought us and he bought us and he brought us to himself. He saved us and secured us and sealed us with his only, own Holy Spirit. I mean, this is wonderful stuff. The type of stuff that a life is built upon, a foundation of love, the life that's lived for his glory in his name. Today can be the day of something great and grand, a turning point in your life especially for those of you that understand what the word rejection means, and you've been on the other end of being rejected. I mean, you really thought that this was gonna be the one. You really thought this was the relationship. You really thought, I mean, you had your heart set on, it seemed to be going so well, but rejection. Like, well, I guess I'm not worth anything anyway. Maybe your heart was set on that job promotion. I mean, you've got all the experience, your resume has all that you possibly need, You're lined up. You make it to the very end. You're in the top three. They do the interviews. And then the call comes and says, I'm sorry. We just found someone else. Rejection. You had something on your heart and your mind, a goal in life, and and you're looking at fulfilling it. You're looking at, and it just hasn't come to pass. Rejection. Well, to the downhearted and to the rejected, God would say to us, you're chosen and you're loved. Like, oh, wow. You mean there's hope for me? Yeah, there's hope for you. In Psalm 31 verse 9 it says, "Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I'm in trouble. My eye wastes away, yes, my soul and my body. Have mercy on me, Lord, because I'm in trouble." Psalm 36:7 says this, "How precious is your loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of the men put their trust under the shadow of your wings." Psalm 86:5 says, "For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive, abundant in mercy to all those who will call upon you." Psalm 145, verse 7 says, They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing to your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, great in mercy. And on top of all this is his great love for us. That he's loved us with an eternal love. Listen, listen, listen. Just kind of sink it in. You want to jot it down real quick. Psalm 139, verses 17 and 18. And I want you to jot it down really quick because I want you to listen. Just let it soak in. This is the truth of God's word. Listen. Psalm 139 verse 17, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. And when I awake, I'm still with you. Beloved of God. I mean, you can't count the thoughts that he has towards you. You're not a nameless person, not some number, some statistic. You're a person that was created in the very image of God. You have great value. His love for us is enduring, abiding. We as believers are the objects of our heavenly Father's delight. And if we could ask him today, what is your delight, Father? He would say, you. Father, what do you take joy in? He would say, you. Father, what excites you? And he would say, you. Because he loves you so much. What do you like to do in your spare time, Father? Shower love on you. (laughs) Help you. Send my Holy Spirit to you. It's not that just God loves the world, he does, but even more so, he loves you. You can't lose that. This is a loveless world, wouldn't you agree? (laughs) I mean, there's just not a lot of love flowing through this, and the way they describe love is really just lust and sin. But in Jesus, there's love. It's a hopeless world for many people here, too. Have you met a few people that just seem hopeless? They're so sarcastic. They're so angry. They're so bitter. I'll just tell you right now, you need to pray for those people that God would give them a glimmer of hope. Because if the glimmer of hope, that stuff fades away. We live in a loveless world, but God loves you. We live in a hopeless world, but in Jesus Christ, you have hope. I would even say that we live in a world that's spiraling downward away from God. But here you and I are seeking to grow upward in him. This is a father we read in the scriptures that delights in his children and it's an awesome thing to be loved by the father like this. You really might have messed up big time. You might have been pretending for the last three months that you were something that you really weren't. Maybe the last six months of your life you put up a facade and say, here I am, happy Christian, but in the secrets of your heart, you've been living in sin you've been making decisions contrary to the word of God, you've been hurting your home, you're hurting your family, you've been fear of man, so you want to impress everybody, you want to be this to this person, you want to be this to that person, and you really haven't really cared what God thinks, today it can change. Today the Lord, he's got a laser right into your heart, and he says, I love you so much, I don't want you to continue living this way. I want to bring change into your life. You don't have to live for others, you can live for me. You don't have to live with a facade. You can be who I've created you to be. Because I'll tell you, I'm happy with you. I care for you. I love you, and you can just be you. Isn't that freedom? Man, I don't have to be like I don't have to be like Billy Graham. You don't have to be like Billy Graham. You know, pastors think that way sometimes. And you know, I can already hear the conversation. Lord, don't I have to be like Billy Graham. And he's going to say, "What's your name, son? Is it Billy Graham? I can't even do his voice." I. <laughs> I don't need to be like Billy Graham. I don't need to be like Pastor Chuck Smith. I don't need to be like Pastor Jeff Johnson. Guess what? I have the freedom to be Ed, and this is what you get. (laughs) And I'm okay with that because I live to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, and I pray in my life that I'll be used as a vessel, just as Ed Taylor, just as my past and my upbringing, everything about me, all my mistakes, all my failures, all my mess-ups, all my mix-ups, that God, he's well-pleased with me because I'm in his son, Jesus Christ. And those sins, the sins I even try to bring up, don't you remember? And he goes, no, I don't remember because I tossed them into the sea of forgetfulness. I want to close with this. And Jude, would you turn there with me? Right before Revelation, Jude, it only has one chapter. It brings the tension into clarity for us. I know there will be those that say, what side are you on? You can just say, I'm on the Lord's side. Well, what is it? Man's, sovereign, man's free will, God's sovereignty. Hey, look, the Bible teaches both, so I want to teach both. And I want to commend you to God, his word and grace. And I love how Jude kind of clears it up. What am I supposed to do then? Well, you that are chosen and beloved of God, you that have that title over every single person that has placed their faith in Jesus, you that have an anchor in a topsy-turvy, mixed up, messed up world, listen. Verse 17, Jude, but you, beloved, Remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. They're sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. That, my friends, is man's free will. You want to spend some time this week? Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves under the fountain of his mercy and his grace. Don't stray away from his word and from his love. Don't stray away from your devotions. Don't stray away from loving others and being a vessel. Keep yourselves in the love of God. He says in verse 22, On some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Then we get into the sovereignty of God. Notice, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. And everyone said, amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Jude's doxology is one of the most beautiful expressions of worship in the entire Bible. Thanks for taking part in today's study from Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. It's part of our series in Romans. To give this a second listen, all you need to do is visit our website at aboundinggraceradio.com. This is a fairly new site. As you take a look around, you'll notice Pastor Ed's blog, the Abounding Grace podcast, our show archives, and even a place to make a secure donation as the Lord leads. That's aboundinggraceradio.com. Pastor Ed, in today's message, we learned about God's sovereignty in salvation, as well as the free will of men, and how those two intersect. Well, we really don't fully understand this side of heaven. But as you know, there's some doctrinal division in the body over this. Do you think we're taking things too far when we divide or get in
1: long, drawn-out debates over this sort of thing? I think in general, Larry, there is a divisiveness among the body of Christ, unfortunately. I mean, culturally... Whether it's politically, whether it is you know a plethora of opinions, we live in a very divided culture. That's one of the reasons, by the way, I know you didn't ask, but that's one of the reasons why we've made the pick of the month for last month. We made the pick of the month, a book by Miles McPherson, The Third Option. So uh, it's, it's something that you're going to want to pick up. So just go to Amazon and get The Third Option. Powerful, powerful, powerful. But this idea of... You know, taking things too far when we divide on things. Yeah, I do. I think the Bible is very clear that we're to avoid foolish and ignorant disputes that lead to nothing or lead even to quarreling or lead to more divisiveness. There is still that mystery uh, surrounding God that none of us fully understand. None of us fully understand, nor will we ever understand, nor will we want a God that we completely understand, because if we completely understood God, He would not be the magnificent, majestic, sovereign, omniscient, omnipresent God who's revealed Himself as our Creator. And I do think we divide over things that we shouldn't divide in, on. We, we should take a stand, I believe, for those things that are doctrinally important, but not to the point of devouring one another. Uh, that The Bible warns against that in Galatians chapter 5 you know the we're told but if you if you bite and devour one another beware lest you be consumed with one another and that that's just the way it is i've seen this happen a thousand times as a pastor as a believer over the last 28 plus years where people take a strong stand start to bite one another and then they get devoured because they're just you know like jesus said if you you know live by the if you're going to use the sword it's how you're going to die and and just put it down put it down and let's strive to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. We believe in the orthodox foundational truths of the scripture let's meet there and let's not emphasize what we disagree about let's emphasize what we agree about if if there are matters related to the the salvation of man, the character of God that would somehow undermine or mischaracterize God, we, we can't agree to that. We can't agree to that. But on secondary matters, you know, arguing between Calvinism and Arminianism and destroying one another, uh, you know, remember Jesus said that they would know us by our love for one another, not as we bite and devour one another in the body of Christ. Thanks for asking, Larry. Great question. Thanks for sharing that, Pastor Ed.
0: Abounding Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners. Each gift that comes in serves to help us pay for radio time. And think of this, you'll be helping thousands all over the world learn about God's abounding grace and how to grow by it. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, you're invited to request a book by Pastor Greg Laurie and Ellen Vaughn called Jesus Revolution. Some of you were alive to remember how God got a hold of an unlikely group of men and women in the 60s and 70s you'll read the amazing true story of the Jesus Movement, an amazing time of mass revival, renewal, and reconciliation. Can God do it again? You bet. Call us right now so we can drop this in the mail to you. We're at 877-30-GRACE. Again, to order the book, call 877-30-GRACE. Then join us next time when we'll pick up what we left off in Romans here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor.